And now another episode of Mind Escape with Michael and Maurice. Take it away, Michael. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Hello. Today, today we've got our uh, uncle who is also very knowledgeable about ancient Egypt. We have John Hogan with us today. Hey, good afternoon, guys. All right, let's jump right into this thing. So um, what? Uh, why don't you explain how you got so interested in ancient Egypt and uh, what about it You know, made you you know, so interested in, in that topic in general? Well, uh, I had a uh, father passed away a long time ago. I was 20 at the time. Um, but I spent about 10 years uh, of the 20 years I knew him um, having great discussions with him. And he was a very uh, uh, prominent businessman and uh, did very well for himself, was very well loved, and had a lot of interesting ideas about uh, uh, life on Earth and um, the bigger picture of what's going on. And unexplained things always fascinated him uh, because science can't explain a lot of things. And so uh, in asking questions about unanswered theories of how the pyramids were built and the fascinating art artifacts found in King Tutankhamun's uh, tomb when they unearthed it, and the connection it might have to modern humans in terms of what were their beliefs and uh, how were they able to achieve such great, uh, great things, great achievements, um, when seemingly humans should have been more caveman-like at that time period. And what people have to understand is if... Uh, if the pyramids are 4,500 years old, that means that the pyramids were as old to Jesus as Jesus is to us, even more so. Right. So um, so he asked a lot of, we, we talked about a lot of unanswered questions, and uh, we theorized on a lot of things. And I believe that he did find a connection between uh, humans today and uh, ancient Egyptians in terms of uh, the soul and how the universe might operate on a bigger picture level than just simply what's going on down here on Earth. So, um, so it became a fascination. We did a lot of uh, discussions. Uh, I have some, you know, written materials from the 80s, 70s and 80s. Um, he never really... Um, material from him his beliefs on this um, but basically yes the fascination with uh, ancient Egypt and how it might impact uh, modern humans and, and the big picture um, is where my fascination with certain aspects of ancient Egypt I don't claim to be an expert on anything you and I were talking um, you know you were asking me a lot of questions I seem to have a lot of answers to what you were asking so um, here I am. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I mean, you know, with, you know, who is an expert? Yeah. Even the experts are wrong. So. No one's claiming we're experts. Right, here. right. Um, so what about, though, like what, 
what was the thing that, you know, really interest, like, was there one specific, I know you just gave a general overview, but was there one specific thing that like really caught your attention or, you know, was there one thing that really stood out to you that was either like mystical or really drew you into it? Well, the fascinating part about um, the, the finding of the intact tomb of Tutankhamun is the fact that uh, he really would have been a, a, a non-impactful pharaoh in his life relative to other pharaohs and what they achieved in their lifetimes. Uh, Tut was a boy when he ascended to the throne and uh, ultimately was in his early 20s when he, uh, when he died. So um, finding his tomb intact, uh, we, we hail it as some of the greatest artifacts ever found, and they are. But, um, you know, in the big picture, he may not have been that, uh, that important. But what's more important is um, our further understanding of Tut's father, Ankenaten, who uh, basically went against the entire uh, religious hierarchy and beliefs, norms of the time, and said that we're not going to worship many gods. There's only one god. And so... That was the beginning of monotheism. Exactly. He actually uh, uh, said there's going to be a new capital and they built a new capital um, in the middle of nowhere. And uh, in the course of 20 years, Ankenaten was able to have a unbelievably thriving capital city, um, but had outlawed basically um, any other thoughts other than monotheism. There's one God, right. and uh, it was the Aten for him. And they worshiped the Aten, which was the sun god, um, and the sun disk. And that's kind of con- That's actually controversial, too, because um, we were talking about our with our buddy uh, Chris Emerson about Eastern philosophy. Um, and there's something called Atman from Eastern philosophy that is God, which is God is everything and everywhere. Um, and they had to come up with polytheism um, in Hindu and in, in Buddhism to, to represent like the different things, you know, because people wouldn't understand it if it was just this one force, you know, so they had to break it down into different things and that's where they got multiple gods. But what you're saying is Akhenaten, um, you know, he was the first one to say, listen, there's one true God and and this is how things are. Um, And he was actually, like you said, he was uh, villainized for that. And they actually, they tried to erase him from the Egyptian records. If you look at a lot of his tombs and a lot of his... um, uh, glyphs that are a lot scratched over and tried to, you know, they've tried to erase them out of the whole history. Um, and they said, there's a weird thing about him too. They said he had an elongated face, almost like an elongated skull. He had like chicken like legs. Um, <laughs> and he had like a little pot belly too. He was just a very unusual looking human being. And there were some that thought that maybe he was half human, half something else. That's a little crazy, but that's some speculation out there. Well, you know, going back a little bit, to what you were saying, um, when you're talking about how to incorporate multi gods into what monotheism means, and you know what you have to remember is 
if you're talking about monotheism, you've gone to as high in the bigger picture as you can. So if that's true, then why can't there be uh, beings that are supreme to what we would consider a norm? Uh, why can't there be entities existing in the universe on a plane that we don't understand or an energy field that we don't understand? Um, of course, these things are possible. Science shows us, nature shows us. So why can't it be true further up you go? And if that's the case, then all these other entities that were revered as gods may have been true beings that had some impact on Earth at some point in time. Um, and so they would be perceived as gods. So I don't have a problem with um, humans worshiping a god that helps with their you know, crops or whatever they want to believe because um, you know, it makes sense in the bigger picture. But what makes even the most sense is that there is one god and all these things are existing because of that one god. And yes, uh, they did try and erase Ankenaten's, uh legacy and they scratched his name and his cartouche and his likeness off of statues and walls and temples. And um, so we'd understand, though, more about that whole situation because of the finding of King Tut's tomb and that big picture piece of the puzzle that got put into place there. And so that's all fascinating in terms of ancient Egypt and their beliefs. And um, I think it was a simple continuation of where thoughts would go if, um, if they allowed them to. So Ankenaten, you know, may have been an entity from somewhere else. Right. We don't know these things, and we may never know. But modern science is fascinating, and it's allowing us to uh, pursue trains of thought that make sense. And um, we're seeing now how they fit in the big picture. And so um, that's all. The way that ancient Egyptians were able to preserve uh, writings and their own bodies, their own DNA, for us to now study is uh, is also very impactful and a lot to be learned. So, um, yep, ancient Egypt is is fascinating. Do you think that the Egyptian government has a bunch of stuff that they don't release to anyone? Because um, we've talked about how they're pretty strict about allowing people to go in there, well, the pyramids and stuff. What you have to understand is, in modern times, um, for hundreds of years, artifacts have been leaving ancient Egypt by by huge amounts. Um, now, obviously, in the last, I don't know, 30, 50 years, they've gotten better hold of that, and, uh, and they keep all of their artifacts very tightly monitored and guarded uh, because of that. They've lost a lot. I mean, there are, there are wonderful artifacts from ancient Egypt that exist in museums all around the world that were basically pilfered out of Egypt. And um, so the fact that they want to hold all of this close to their vest isn't necessarily um, that they have information or knowledge that they're trying to hide. I think it's a matter of um, them losing their national treasures. And that's how 
politically, you know, I think that's the overwhelming thinking right now. So um, I also believe that they probably acknowledge even that they have thousands and thousands and thousands of artifacts that really haven't been studied and need to be studied. And, um, you know, case in point is the, is the recent uh, travel channel. They showed uh, a mummy that they had found in the Cairo Museum. They knew it was a relatively important person based on how this mummy was mummified and the care that was taken. And so they scanned the head and um, made a 3D model of the scanning and then added the flesh and features of the face and bored out the fact that this was probably Nefertiti. And we know Nefertiti was King Tut's mother because of DNA. So Akhenaten's wife. Yep. So his primary, one of the She had an elongated skull too, supposedly. Absolutely. And they show, you know, we, we have a statue of Nefertiti. It's pretty famous. You probably would recognize it if you saw it. Mm-hmm. That came from that time period. So we know that that's not someone's memory rendition of Nefertiti. That was an actual statue of her at that time. And so we have a very good likeness of her. And yes, she's got the, the very elongated uh, head covering um, that you sometimes see with uh, the ancient Egyptian pharaohs and families of the pharaoh. So I, Yeah, and, and that's interesting because not only do you see that in Egypt, but you also see that in, you know, ancient South, South America. America. Yeah, exactly. In South America, I mean, and, and it happens in Africa, too. There's, there's incidences. So it's almost like, what's going on with that? Why... Um, yeah. Why are they doing that? Is it because some people say it was like a fashion thing, but I, I find that hard to believe that you would alter the way that your your you know your your body normally grows. Is it well, because your brain yeah. would become bigger? Is that is that the you know I don't I mean what? Le- the likelihood is that the skulls that they have found of humans that have attempted to elongate their skulls or their culture. Um, likes the elongated skulls, then they do that as a baby and they wrap the head so that the skull, when it's soft, grows a particular way. Right. It always leaves, uh, a tr- you know, traces in terms of um, how the skull is fused together and the lines that exist on a skull where they're fused together. And You know that they found skulls, skulls that, that don't have that, right? That's right. That's why I'm saying the skulls that they found in uh, certain parts of South America that you mentioned, and I believe some of the skulls that they have found in the Middle East um, don't have those lines, and they can't explain how the skull was formed that way other than naturally. So, um, so you can't confuse elongated skulls and put them all in the same basket because they don't belong in the same basket. You have elongated skulls that... Uh, like humans binding their feet uh, to try and change the shape of their feet. Right. Um, it's it's something that humans have tried to mimic for whatever reason. And, you know, it, if it's an ancient belief and that's where their desire to have elongated skulls come from, well, then what prompted that to begin with? And I think that's where the other side of the basket of skulls comes in, and that's the skulls that um, were shaped that way in nature. So 
Um, just one of the interesting things to point. So the uh, you were talking about King Tut's tomb. So anybody that doesn't know, King Tut's tomb was found by Howard Carter. Was it like 1920s or was it even earlier than that? I forget. Yeah, it was 1920s. Okay. Um, and when they opened the tomb, there's supposedly a curse. Like when they opened the tomb, there's this thing when you open tombs in ancient Egypt and um, uh, where it's almost like these gases get released because it's so ancient and it's been so enclosed for so long. I forget what they call it, but it's like, you know, you got like sulfur fumes and all sorts of shit. It's a sarcophagus fart. <laughs> and, um, it, you know, it, it basically what happened was this, uh, he op- they opened up the tomb and then all this bad stuff started happening. He got super fucking sick. Everybody started getting sick around him. Uh, bad luck things were happening to people. Do you believe in that or do you believe that that's just something like a coincidence? Well, that's two different questions. Uh, that is two different questions. doesn't... Well, coincidence is a different topic of discussion altogether. Um, Whether coincidence really exists or not is doubtful, probably, in my mind. Um, But you acknowledge that we have free will, though, right? And Well, sure, absolutely. Okay, Okay, so, but you're saying that that's, okay, we'll get into that later, but go on. Um, So, if there is a belief that is strongly held, then the belief can become real. You can manifest your beliefs in this world and into reality, okay? So so you can say, well, they opened the tomb and, you know, the guy, the, the, the English lord that, uh, that funded Howard Carter was uh, Lord Carnarnan, Kalarnan. Um, and they said that uh, at the moment the tomb was opened, and this was, of course, there's, you know, not the communication we have today. So is it a story or not? Who knows? But, you know, they said that his uh, trusted bloodhound or hound dog died the moment the, the tomb was opened. And, you know, so you can you can keep finding these things and say all these bad things that happened at this moment in time and every bad thing that happened in the following month or two, uh, gosh, it must have been the curse. So you believe, you know, your belief system draws you to that conclusion. And then and then everything is seen as a, a result of that. And. People can even make themselves thick, sick, saying, "Oh my God, I believe yeah. in curse," and and they get sick. Okay, right. so so you know what's the truth of the matter? And um, you know you're not going to find the truth of the matter because everybody's going to have a different opinion, and it's all about your belief systems. But belief systems and beliefs are um, extremely important and powerful in this world, and probably the next. So, but my, my question, I guess, I'll, I'll, I'll get down to the nitty gritty. Basically, what I was asking too is like, do you think that whatever was released, you know, you do you know what I'm talking about with the pyramids when they open them up and the releases like the gas and the the air that that stale like air and shit. Do you think that it's possible that they could have just gotten sick from that? And since there wasn't super technology back then, like you know, we don't they don't have the shit that, that we have today. Do you think it was possible that that was just an explanation for all that kind of stuff or no? It very well could have been. Again, nobody's gonna know. Right. Um if 
if nobody had believed in anything uh, like a curse on the tomb, then they would have all smelled bad air and some people would have got sick, some people wouldn't, who knows. But, right. um, you know, it's in the big picture of things, I don't know that that's really, it really matters. Um, it's either a bunch of coincidences or something set in motion that, um, you know, went beyond humans' ability to control. But um, I'm more inclined to say that it's uh, a result of a belief system, a belief that those people had, and the belief that uh, everything that was associated with those people, uh, anything that bad followed, you know, was a result of the curse. So, I don't know. That's my thoughts. Well, we were doing one about the pyramids, uh, an episode, and uh, we were talking, do you know about the Temple of Seti and how there's a, a glyph in there? It's got like a spaceship, a helicopter, and like a boat. James Bond car. And, yeah. And, um, and, and it was found recently. Something happened and it got uncovered. And then now when they send tours through there, they're asked not to point it out to people like the tour guides. So mm. like, what do you think is going on there? Do you think they really could have had helicopters and spaceships or do you think that was maybe an explanation for something that they were seeing above or do you what do you think about that or do you think they maybe even had technology that was capable i mean if you if you believe in atlantis which would have been like you know 10 to you know eight thousand years ago you know ancient egypts they think could have been around that same time too because they're dating now the pyramid the people that are really getting their hands dirty on the stuff nowadays like graham hancock and robert Baval and all these guys um john anthony west who just passed away um what they do is you know they take the the pyramid which would have been aligned with orion's belt because obviously the three pyramids of giza are the, the yep. third one's offset like orion's belt and they mm -hmm. date it back that would have been perfectly lined up i think they say like the 10, 9, years. yeah nine ten thousand five hundred to nine thousand years ago during and then also at that same that wouldn't surprise me this, i mean the, the 4500 years ago that i uh referenced earlier has been you know all based on guesses anyways you can't carbon date stone that's been put on top of itself it's you know so they have to use other methods and guesses so um yeah we really don't know how old the pyramids are and then also that at that same point in time the sphinx was perfectly lined up with the sun rising with leo and they think that the sphinx head was a lion's head at some point because you and i were talking uh, off air about how the head such is so much smaller like if you're I agree with if that. If you're designing something anatomically and you're that good at it, why are you going to make a tiny little head on a huge fucking body? Like, that just right. doesn't make sense. Like, these people were artists and, and very skilled tradesmen. Um, so they would they think that it was a lion's head, and then over time it eroded. Um, they think that changing in different dynasties would have had a, a role to do with it, and then they obviously changed it to the, what is that, like a sparrow cat head type thing now? <laughs> yep. um, so, and there's even theories that it could have been a jackal at some point too. So, um, I mean, I think all that stuff's definitely possible, but when you start looking at sure. procession, which, you know, we've talked about on here before, which is 1.34 degrees change wow. every, wow. every hundred years, which, you know, every two, it, every 2000 years it changes constellation. So right now we're in the age of Aquarius, uh, back when we're talking about, um, 
you know, would have been a whole different era. You know, it goes back even to, uh, yeah. Yeah. So like during the different times, uh, and it takes, I think it's 25,900 or 26,000 years to complete a full cycle. And the ancient Egyptians were great at that. They knew about how, so every, you know, how the Mayans have their calendar and they talk about the new ages of men. It's similar with the Egyptians in the sense that they don't think that the world ends or anything like that. They think a new age of man, like a whole new era begins um, and the Egyptians and the Mayans and all these other cultures knew about this cycle and at some point there's dark and light ages so like the golden age when you talk about the golden age that was most likely they you know ancient Egypt Atlantis all that stuff that was a golden age because they were so high up and then it slowly went into decline through the dark ages and that's where we see we see little text and there wasn't very much human evolution at that point and stuff like that so well, certainly the cycle has human cycle just like nature cycles and um, uh, everything you're saying definitely fits into the bigger picture of things. And, um, um, well, I stopped your thoughts, so go ahead. No, no, I was, I was just basically saying that, like, you were just, like, everything's a cycle. So it's going to go through times where it's dark times. Not necessarily dark, like, as in necessarily bad. There's just no, there's loss of information. Like, look, we've thought the earth was round. Now people think it's fucking flat, you know? Like, <laughs> like I mean, those people are dumb, but, I mean, I, I, I don't call many people out. Whoa. But if you think the earth is, is, is flat, then you don't know anything. I'm sorry. But you come at me. Come at me, bro. Well, you know. Leave a comment below. Yeah. Just, just because some science and answers that come from science change over time based on new information, new ways of measuring things and new understandings that we get. Um, science changes. And just because some science changes doesn't mean all science is um, not valid. And it also doesn't mean that you can't still look at things from a scientific viewpoint um, and still, you know, talk about God um, so, you know, when there's a misconception, I think, because a lot of people, um, you know, view ancient Egypt, let's say, as, you know, the pharaohs with their chariots chasing after, uh, you know, the, the slaves and bringing them back and things like that. And although those events probably happened or some events like that occurred, um, that was in the middle of thousands of years of existence for that civilization. And a lot had changed then. Yeah, that was the go end. That's back, the, that was most likely the end. The beginning of what we know of the ancient Egyptians' beliefs, um, they did believe that their pharaohs were part gods. They did know that there were things that they couldn't understand that happened uh, in the sky. And and they did believe that uh, humans would be judged in the afterlife. And they did believe that some would make it and some wouldn't. And so everything that came after the core of their beliefs, um, anything that was written down, anything that was tried to explain, much like all the rest of human history, these things become part of a religion or a belief system but the reality is, if you go back just to the core of what it is, it's, you know, your 
for the ancient Egyptians, your heart would be weighed against the weight of a feather. And it was metaphorical because it was your heart, meaning your soul, mm -hmm. um, would be weighed uh, against a feather, meaning you shouldn't have a heavy heart. There shouldn't be things that you regret doing. And um, um, if you work toward the good and continue um, a positive path, then you'll make it. And so very fascinating. And all of those things still fit into monotheism, even though that wasn't where their religion started. It said there are many gods and many things to, that are going on out there. And humans failed to put into perspective the fact that even though that may be true, there's still just one God who is everywhere and everything. And so that's, um, you know, you have to put it all in perspective in terms of, you, you, you mentioned the Dark Ages. Uh, that's a part of human history and human cycle that was, uh, you know, uh, we think of it as an unheard of time period. But I think that humans have had their own Dark Ages over and over again based on events sometimes you can control, sometimes you can't right. control. So, so back to what you were saying though, real quick about the pharaohs being part divine or not, you know, all human. Um, there's certain hieroglyphs that explain that there's been pharaohs that reign for like thirty thousand years or thousands of years. So I mean, they're smart people. Usually, everything they have makes sense. What What do you think would be going on there? Do you think they're just so ancient that there was like an embellishment, or do you think that um, that that would even be a possibility. Um, Obviously, I think that if um, if humans perceived uh, a pharaoh as a god, and humans at the time, or most of them that followed their pharaoh, uh, who they believed was part god, if if that were all true, then um, it, it could make sense that the pharaoh and his lineage and his children, as long as they kept that line of DNA, um, that was considered one reign, then it could make sense in a lot of ways that it was recorded as one reign because it was, you know, this one entity. Could, could one entity uh, live 30,000 years? Well, that's a possibility, too, because you don't know what exists out there in the universe. And, uh, you know, you have uh, life cycles of insects that live a day. So right. they pack their whole life into a day. And, you know, you have... That's a good analogy. Actually. All living things, it's all based on, you know different factors and how these living beings came into being and, you know, what is their purpose here? Um, so, you know, time is relative. We already know that, or we think we know that based on Einstein's theories, which again, nothing is perfect. Um, but a lot of things, uh, are a good starting point. And, um, 
So time time is a different matter altogether. Could it, could a uh, entity from some other place, some other existence, live for thirty thousand years? Maybe to them, it's only a year. Mm-hmm. So it's all relative. Gravity is relative. All the things in physics and nature are relative, meaning they they change what their impact is of things around them based on what things are around them and what is the situation. So it doesn't get much bigger than that, I'd say. Damn. Just blew my mind. <laughs> Am I way off or no, 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 you're, you're, you're right on point. I think I actually, I was going to tie that into, I was reading this thing. Um, well, first of all, most people just think that Egypt is just the Giza pyramids and a few tombs and whatever. There's a bunch of different sites that go all up and down. Of course. Uh, Again, the thousands Nile. and thousands of years. You've got Giza, you've got Abu Sir, you've got Saqqara, you've got uh, Abu Garab, and you've got, uh, was it Dash Hour? And Abu Kawash or Abu Rawash. Um, basically, one of those, which one is it? Okay, Abu Garab has these crystal quartz altars. Most people don't like this is what I'm saying. Most people don't even look into Egypt. They just think it's like some some pyramids and stuff. There's a bunch of sites that have crazy shit. This one, Abu Garab's got these crystal quartz like altars and then these like little bat they look like bird baths. Um, something was going on there, um, and all these sites. Since there's quartz crystal, and then some of the sandstones got, or uh, limestones got crystal in it, that it actually like um, vibrates at a certain frequency too. And I've heard people that have been in the Great Pyramid when it, when you're in the the middle of the Great Pyramid and you go into some of the rooms, it's so quiet and so it like alters your consciousness just being in there. Like you're not. You can like echo, but it's like a different sort of thing. It's not just, um, oh, I'm in a in a dark room or whatever. It like alters your whole consciousness. You know? Do you think sure, there's something to that? No, absolutely. I mean, that's there's meditation and prayer going on in these. Well, things? here's the thing: when you're talking about sound waves, now you're talking about a physical, a physical thing that we create. We can measure its its pressure through the air. Um, so. We know that sound resonates. I mean, we know also that sound has an effect on humans in a profound manner. Um, and if you don't believe that, just understand that humans have been making and trying to make music since the time that anybody can remember. Mm-hmm. So it does have an effect on humans emotionally, some more than others. And, of course, it's all depending on what that person perceives as pleasant or not pleasant and what they want to listen to or not. But um, certainly sound uh, wave resonation uh, is, is basically you're creating um, something that has an effect on something else. Um, not only physically, but you have a sound wave that's, that's moving through the air, but you also have the effect of the human who's perceiving that sound wave, and even some animals. Um, well, uh, Quite a bit in nature relies upon sound, um, but uh, yes, the the pyramids would be extremely quiet based on the fact that you know they're in the middle of a mountain, um, man-made mountain, but no yeah. uh, mountain, no less. Uh, there is a, a I'm I'm struggling to think of the exact name, but there is a temple 
an ancient temple, and I believe it's in the in the Far East. And uh, when you strike the columns of the temple, they resonate. It's a it's a very it sounds like they're striking something crystal. Um, but Is it not. like? In Cambodia or India? Yes. Yeah, is, it's is not it, Angkor Wat. Okay, I was going to say, is it, or, I there's a, uh, what's it called? Uh, fuck. There's one that has a, a stegosaurus carved into it. It's, we've, we talked about it. I think it's Phao Tam or something like that in Cambodia. Hmm. Uh, but anyways, I, yeah, I, I've heard of what you're talking about. Um, and we'll see if Kevin can pull it up here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, do you think, though, like, you know how like these, these, um, so look, I meditate. I think you meditate too. We've talked about this. When you meditate and you listen to a certain frequency, whether you're going ohm, which by the way is the most ancient thing, because when you do that, it activates everything from your feet basically to your head. Um, so that's why people do that when they meditate. Uh, the vibration activates your your body. Um, but it's not, it's not the Mayan temples, is it? It says they make bird calls. No, that's the Mayans are in South America. Yeah, he was um, saying in in the Far East. Yeah, oh, okay. say type in like striking ancient column, something like that. Uh, but do you think that like so? Do you think that some people think the Great Pyramid was a power plant? Some people think it was like a beacon. Some people think you know there was some sort of when there was a, a quartz cap on it that it was emitting some sort of frequency or mm-hmm. ray or something. Do you think that it was used for that? Or do you think it could have been this temple where people could go in and alter their consciousness, um, vibrate at a certain frequency, and tap into the divine, and, and that's how they came up with some of these ideas and knowledge and all that? Very good question. Um, you know, you, you went in a couple different places there. Um, Pick the best one, please. Well, you know, and that's okay. You're, you're, you're trying to lead into an answer yeah. something that you're curious about, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, those two examples aren't by any means the only uh, examples of theories that people have regarding why do they exist in the first place. Because right. clearly it took an enormous amount of time and energy uh, to accomplish that. No matter what tools they had available to them, it took a lot of time and energy to do that. And so there must have been something extremely important other than just being a monument because if it were simply a monument it would be um, uh, clearly designed as such to honor a particular deity or entity or pharaoh or Mm -hmm. whatnot and there isn't any of that okay and given the fact that they've never you know all the tombs, well, there's not tombs, they, all the boxes that they discovered in the pyramid, each individual one had one, but they found them in many pyramids, were the, um, they thought they were like sarcophagi, um, but they were always empty. And so your theory of, is that where people could go to uh, connect with God or enlightenment or knowledge or whatever it is you want to theorize on um, is not a bad theory because why did they never, why were they always empty? What if that box was for somebody to get the fuck in there and they locked yeah. that person in there? Yeah. Like, what, 
what what seriously what if that was like we're gonna cut you off you're going into this this deep this deep box and because like you just said the sarcophagus and i know that too all those sarcophaguses are empty those aren't tombs because there's nothing in there signifying it's a tomb like any other tombs in egypt there's no hieroglyphs there's no objects there's no meteorites daggers there's no you know anything so and they said it you know obviously when they found it it was they weren't open so it's not like it was robbed at any point or anything like that. no no and there, there you know again though there's many theories um it's an Clearly, ancient deprivation chamber or some shit. Yeah, well, uh, again, you could go on and on and on. Uh, but we may not understand enough about even our own Earth and how it works. I mean, you know, you say, could it be some sort of energy source? A um, hundred years ago, if you told people, so a hundred years ago is a is a a blip on the screen of a human existence. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's it's nothing. It's you know, it's the last second of time in a ten thousand year period, right? It's mm-hmm. it's nothing. So, um, when you talk about humans, um, and you say a hundred years ago. Everybody around nowadays has a magical device that in with magic waves through the air, we can talk to each other, we can send messages to each other, we can we can go on and, and connect to so many other computers that every answer we need to anything that we know about in the world today is at our disposal. And they would look at you like you were crazy. What magic waves are you talking about? Well, try and explain radio waves, try and explain microwaves, try and explain a lot of things, and they're beamed up into space. What are you talking about space? So, so (laughs) much has changed in the last hundred years um, in our understanding of new things on the world. And you know what? None of it changed the fact that you either believe in a God or don't believe in a God. You either are a good person or not. You either are trying to do good things or, you know, not. And so, you know, there may be a scientific or a tangible reason why the pyramids existed, or it may have been simply a temple to go with your beliefs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, again, it's too, there are too many things we just don't understand. And, you know, I think as we learn more things about the world around us, some of the ancient things will make more sense to us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, I think it's just funny because everybody always thinks is as you progress in time, you learn more. However, we still don't know how the pyramids were built, so they clearly knew more than we did, at least in some aspects. When I was a young man, I clearly believed that uh, humans continue to advance exponentially that we learn new things and that we don't lose our knowledge base of other things and as I've gotten older and I've talked to enough people and I see how even 
the world has changed in my lifetime, I recognize that there's a lot of knowledge that can be lost that isn't recorded, that isn't recorded properly, that isn't understood. And I think humans have made advancements uh, in in our ancient history that uh, that are probably go beyond the advancements that we have today in certain areas, and maybe right. not so much in other areas. And uh, you know that would make sense in terms of nature and evolution and um, all of the things that change over time um you know we'll see but uh here's here's another interesting thing the ancient egyptians thought that we had 360 senses like it was a bubble that surrounded you um and we only have five to our knowledge now is that us combining a bunch of these different things together into one thing or is it that they actually knew about certain disciplines and certain things and auras and energy fields and different things and like maybe stuff that we can't perceive and see but they figured something out at some point and understood it um, and we've lost it through technology and through time and everything Um, but if you look at you know you can look this up too yeah they had 360 different um, uh, senses in that you know if you look at senses they're weird too because certain you did you put together a whole picture using all your senses pretty much, you know? So like if they were able to have more senses or more, I guess, uh, sensitive to certain things, uh, was it possible that they were able to tap into something that we couldn't even possibly understand that we don't know today? Not that we're dumber. It's just that when you, you know, have something like you were just saying, something's ingrained for thousands of years and it gets lost because stone's the only thing that lasts so if it's not carved into a stone you know and it is we don't even know what all the hieroglyphs still mean i mean we're talking all this stuff but i mean now they're finding out that they're uh, a lot of the hieroglyphs are similar to do you know what the dogon tribe is from africa that they believe that they were from sirius and that a lot of their cosmo uh, cosmology and um uh, there's quantum physics uh, glyphs, they think, and all sorts of shit. And the Egyptians has a site. The Egyptians have a site like that too. So there's some sort of correlation there where um, one glyph could mean a whole sentence if you know what you're doing. Sure. Well, and that's the tricky part about trying to translate anything. Um, it's not only trying to uh, correlate letters and words, but ideas as well um you know you and i in today's world could use metaphors that only make sense in today's world it wouldn't really make sense 10 years from now because that would be forgotten and uh, wouldn't make sense 10 years earlier because it didn't exist at the time you know um when you're talking about someone saying you know omg well Nobody would know what you were talking about mm. 10, 15 years ago. What do you yeah. mean? I want to kill. I, I want to say no one should know what yeah. it is now, man. <laughs> I want to kill us for that. <laughs> it's, just, it's just an example of, a you know, example. metaphor that exists in terms of, uh, you know, talking about, um, you know, if, if, I, if I were to say, um, man, that guy could jump like Michael Jordan. Yeah. You know what that means, right? But. Right. If I said that sentence 50 years ago or any other uh, time period, 10,000 years past, nobody would know what that means. It wouldn't make sense to them. And 50 years from now or 100 years from now, 
maybe people aren't paying attention to sports and names get forgotten and you made the same sentence. Oh, you can jump like Michael Jordan. People look at you like, what are you talking about? So, um, you know, it's a metaphor, uh, maybe not so much a metaphor, but just, um, you know, phrases that are used that are widely understood, but whose meaning can be lost over time. So you have to be real careful when you're talking about translating, um, you know, it has to make sense in the big picture, and it can be easily uh, gone off base if you're not putting things in context. And sometimes we just don't have that context. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I also think that what, what you're saying to correlate that is I think that they were far more advanced spiritually than we are now. I mean, people can say they're spiritual, they go to church or whatever, but I think... If you're not, you're, you're, you got to look within. And I think they knew that it's not some temple where everybody gets together and has a good time and says the same thing and does the same song and blah, 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 blah. That might be interesting and have a good positive impact on society, but that's not real spirituality. I think real spiritualities can be only found within. It's a personal journey. It's not a journey that to be had with, you know, you can share it and you can talk about it. And I think that's good, but I don't think it's something that, you know, going to church every week and just saying uh, some words is meaning, you know, like you think it's meaningful, but it's, it's not, you know, because you're not growing from just doing that, you know? Well, but like you said, to each their own in terms of individuality. And, oh, that's uh, true. I get If somebody, look, I'm not saying if you're benefiting from doing that, by well, all means, it it's your belief system. And I agree with you. If you're benefiting and that's your belief system, great. Have at it. And if it's not, um, satisfying your intellectual curiosity or, you know, the way that um, um, it, because you say that there should be more than just having someone say, here's what's right, here's what's wrong. Right. There's got to be intro- introspective thinking and understanding your faults. How can you, That's fix, right. how can you fix your like, faults? How can you be a better like, person, you know? You know, in, in this country, we have a... a no matter how negative people want to be on anything that has to do with uh, how this country operates, the one thing I will say is it's still clearly heads, head and shoulders above most other <laughs> places and ways oh, yeah. to, mm-hmm. to exist. And, uh, um, you know, for us to... Um, we're just a great experiment is what we are. You know, they're like, hey, well, let's right, try out this new thing. And it actually... One of the amazing you know, things is... It's set up for the individual, okay? Because when you boil it all down, you can take any geopolitical group, you can take any any group you want, segment them any way you want, and, and apply generalities and, and uh, statistics to say this, that, or the other thing. And, you know, the reality is, Although any of those may or may not be true, and any of them may point to a pattern, when you get down to an individual level, all of that goes away because every individual is so different. You could think unbelievably strongly about a particular thing and not fit the demographic of the person who normally thinks that way. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because as an individual, not only do you have your own DNA makeup, um, but you've also lived your own life's experience and things that have had an impact on you may not have had an impact on other people. 
So individualism, you know, again, I brought up this country because when it comes down to it, you get to go to court and say, yes, Your Honor, I was speeding. And yes, I put other lives in danger. But yes, my, you know, my family member was bleeding to death and I got them to the hospital. So that's different than the guy who just had 18 beers and thinks he can, you know, drive the Indy 500 in his uh, Honda Civic. Right. There's two individuals, both broke the same law, and they have, one has a reason, and everybody would agree, society agrees, and even a judge agrees, you did the right thing, and the other guy did the wrong thing. So, um, every, you know, it's the same law, but it applied differently to two different set of circumstances and two individuals. So, um, you always have to keep that in mind. And different and individuals can rise or fall to the occasion um, from anywhere at any time and achieve greatness anywhere, anytime. That's yeah, that's fascinating as fuck. Um, and that's true. Everything you said is 100% true that I agree. Maybe it's not to everybody's reality, but I think that what you said is honest. And uh, well, our buddy Chris was saying stuff like that along those lines as well. Yeah, you know, you're saying like a car can be used for a good thing to take somebody to the hospital and save their life, but you can also fucking kill somebody with it, you know. So there's a good and a bad to everything. If it, you know, it's that's the balance of the world of the universe, you know. Yep. What uh, do you know about this? Uh, so like Edgar Casey, we've talked about him on here before. Do you think Edgar? <laughs> do you think uh, Edgar Casey? Um, he, he talks about how the Hall of Records is, is stored under the right paw of the Sphinx, and there is chambers underneath the Sphinx, but they're not allowing access. And there's water erosion around the Sphinx as well. Do you think that there's something to that, or do you think in the Hall of Records, for anybody that doesn't know, supposedly there was one at the Library of Alexandria that burned down. There was supposedly one at Atlantis, obviously that got lost, and there's one in, in the Sphinx, and, and it has all the records of mankind and the greatest accomplishments. And we actually made our own hall of records for Mount Rushmore because that's the only real stone monument. If a couple thousand years from now, if we're all gone and people are wondering about us, well, we have, um, you know, Mount Rushmore with a secret vault that has all the you know, history of us. So, I mean, do you think that's true about the Sphinx, or do you think that that's just a load of crap? Well, uh, again, people have been theorizing about the Sphinx Sphinx for, you know, thousands and thousands of years. And my comment at this moment in time and this moment in human existence is simply go and find out. Um, <laughs> you have scientific tools and, and ways of doing things that aren't destructive and they could easily um, at least see if there's something there well they have they, they know that there's chambers there but they're not allowed in there because of the guy that runs that well, it was something Hawass or something know that, that question is not going to be answered until you actually go and do it right, right. and so you know in the past it's been uh, prohibitive for a lot of reasons but now the only thing that's stopping us is, uh, you know, the the political landscape of that country and um, uh, willingness to allow. There are those motivated to do it. There are those that would it wouldn't cost anybody anything other than the people doing its own money and mm-hmm. what they raise. They would gladly go in there and and try and um, 
you know, discover these things and explore it and answer the question one way or another and then move on. Um, but it has been a lingering question throughout humans' uh, existence for a long time. So, um, yeah, go down, see what's there, and uh, learn from it or move on. You know what I find interesting, though, and in all that is that there's always like a few little things where we could there's there's room for discovery and there's a there's a uh, situation that could be, you know, but that there's no real work done. It's almost like people are avoiding wanting to know or avoiding the inevitable or protecting what's already in place. It's just there's some sort of benefit that to that to some people. I think that um, it's easier to do it that way. I don't know if it's protecting their books and their agendas and their lectures and this and that, or if it's something that is like, like you said, political, or maybe the government does know shit and then they just don't want to, you know, get that out there. I mean, I don't know, but I just think it's well, funny that there's always some little nugget of something where conspiracy. you Yeah, not even conspiracy, but just like if you know would, that that's well, a possibility, that you know. Any of any of those things that you just mentioned um uh, and more than likely a combination of those things, but any of the things you just mentioned in terms of well, you know, there are there are scholars that want to keep theorizing on it and there's this that nothing. Um it would seem that all those motivations would actually in one way, shape, or form be enhanced by the excitement of this is going on here, we're going to try and learn something, this and that. Yeah, the fact that if you truly are a scholar uh, trying to discover whether this exists underneath the Sphinx or not, you would want to know. We're talking about charlatans here, though. We're not talking. We're talking about people that have vested interest in it not being something new and exciting. Because what you're saying makes sense. It would only enhance what they're already doing. But there's a there's a part of human nature that, like for instance, if you know I'm in a band, I play music, and we're playing a song. If somebody came to me and said, "Hey, just try this or do this," I might be so stuck in my ways that I'm still just going to do what I'm going to do, even though there might be some exciting new way to evolve it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So but, it's but like human nature are, to do it. Sure, but but the it's an ego the thing. Will of the amount of people that are engaged in that activity and are motivated by keeping it the status quo would be far outweighed by the will of those who wanted to discover the truth of what's there. And, you know, I think you're just running into, um, number one, the, the perceived truth for them uh, in the area is probably more along the lines of uh, there's nothing there, and we know there's nothing there. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, not worthy of you know, pursuing that. I think that it's recently become more of an interesting topic because of our scientific instruments and non-invasive, non-destructive ways of determining that there are chambers underneath the Sphinx or that there's rooms there and and what they might contain or not contain. They just found secret secret compartments in the Great Pyramid, and we've we've been studying that thing for years, you know? Yep. Yeah, there's no question uh, that the, the the exploration should continue. Um, so I, I think it's probably more than likely going to happen. Um, let's get a team together. Let's fucking upsetting the status quo is. Let's crack this nut, you know. 
Yeah. <laughs> what's restricting it? The government? Mm-hmm. Not allowing? Oh yeah. The, government. Well, forever, the guy that ran the, the Giza complex forever, I think something Hawass is, is his last name. Um, he recently got, he, I think they've changed everything or something, but for a while he, he hated anything that, you know, basically disputed the 25,000 BC marker and anything that got, went against that, you know, the way that we've been taught in school our whole lives and the way that they've predicted that timeline and everything, anything that went against that, that you were trying to do some sort of work on, he obstructed it as much as possible. So, mm-hmm. well, again, they, you know, they have reasons for their own uh, wanting to control things. And, right. You know, well, like you said, there's looting and all sorts advanced. of shit. Yeah. And, but, you know, again, things are advancing. Science is advancing. And, you know, hopefully um, in the not-too-distant future, they'll be able to explore things like that and, you know, maybe get some more answers. Do you know about uh, NAFTA Playa, which is like on the border of Egypt and Sudan in the desert. Uh, they found like uh, monolithic structures, almost like a mini Stonehenge with like a bunch of stones like that lined up with certain astrological. And they think it might be a precursor to Egypt. Mm. Um, so that's interesting for anybody to check out Nafta Playa um, in Egypt on the border of Sudan. Um, but uh, what, just to uh, kind of um, take a little side trick here, why don't you uh, tell us the story that you told me about because um, this is fascinating, and I think um, it, it'll kind of hit home the the uh, idea that we don't really know everything, and even we might not understand everything. There's certain certain things out there that just go unexplained. Why don't you tell the story about uh, my grandfather, your father, uh, in the war, and that that whole little story? Yeah, he. Uh my dad uh, was definitely an interesting guy, and um, um, he told the story of uh, he was um, uh, in the Air Force at the time, and he was on a B-29, and their mission, this was in the 50s, so their mission was simply to fly in the uh, European uh, zone, uh, protecting um, the Allies, you know, which... World War II had come to an end, and everybody was, you know, protecting their territories. And uh, part of the policy at the time was that we were to uh, have our atom bombs uh, deployed in the air at all times. So they were on missions that they would uh, take off from the airplane and fly toward uh, what was perceived as the enemy at the time, um, get to the... uh, uh, area where uh, the borders typically lied and they would turn around and head back and by the time they got back another plane was up in the air doing the same thing so they were always prepared to deploy uh, the the atom bomb and uh, there was a and they didn't actually pull the lever on that there were two beams uh, two signals that crossed each other over the over the area where the bomb was going to be deployed and so uh so it's something like almost like how your garage door works with the two beams facing each other that set each other yeah kind of okay yeah for for lack of you know yeah so um they generally got within oh like an hour or so of enemy lines before they were called back uh on a daily basis and on this particular day they hadn't been called back 
and um, as time was marching on and they hadn't gotten their callback orders, they, the crew began to wonder if they were actually going to be deploying this weapon. And um, they actually came within minutes of the uh, uh, deployment zone when they were called back. And um, it was a very uh, startling episode. And yeah, I mean, you're you're about to drop one of the most, you yeah. know, the world's most powerful weapon. You know, you're you it's gonna fucking give you a little heebie-jeebie. Yeah, and and my dad, he was actually the the tail gunner, um, but he said when they got back to the uh, base, the pilot um, basically turned in his wings, um, never flew again. Um, they there were several of the cockpit crew members who were very rattled by. Uh, something that certainly had to have been more than just the situation I described because they, they basically hung it up and said, we're not, we're not doing this again. So, um, you know, without saying specifically, uh, my dad said that there was definitely some weird goings on, um, in and around the aircraft at that time. And, uh, so, you know, that's, uh, You'll never know the the true. All we can do is guess. Do you based think it's possibly like a foof? and the reactions? What yeah. happened? So you know, I don't want to say for sure it's one thing or another. You know, uh, again, things things occur for lots of different reasons and usually combinations of such. So, well, uh, did, did, yeah. did, the, did the hierarchies give them an explanation of why it came so close? No, there was no reasoning. That they didn't get nope. called for the hour or whatever. Twitter. Nope. What What about? Do you think it was possibly these Foo Fighters that people were seeing during World War II? Because wasn't he? They were over Europe and like wasn't it the Korean War at the time? Like wasn't there some sort of uh, conflict in, in that whole area? So like Foo Fighters, they say were like not Dave Grohl, like UFOs that would you know get in the gun battles between the the Allies and in the Japanese during World War II. Um. And again. It's it's highly not out of the realm of possibility. Well, somebody's um, turning in their wings. They saw some shit. If you're in a fucking war and you're that's what your job is, that that right. something had to have fucking shook you to the fucking core because those guys back then were even hard asses. You know, like back then guys were were men. You know, they didn't they weren't, they weren't fucking pussies like today. So um, no, that's that's for sure. <laughs> um, but uh, so. So that just explains, like, there's just certain things. And how many times have we heard military stuff, like stories like this, crazy shit? And even if it was like an orb or like light ball lightning or something crazy like that, it's still unexplained. And we still don't know why it happens. That just signifies that there's so many things happening around us that we just can't even fathom most of it. And we have these eyeballs that we think are everything you see is just reality. But really, it's these eyeballs that are projecting these image through nerves into a fucking brain and everything is getting sent backwards and our it's it's our brains rewiring you know so it's like yeah, tell so, the Ray Charles, it's so crazy yeah it's so crazy to think that um that people just go throughout their day um and just kind of just don't even think about any of this stuff ever it just baffles my mind that's why we're doing this podcast you know today that's why we well you know like day-to-day life you know occurs and we all have to you have uh, to live your life and you have yeah, to make yourself right. happy you, know, you, you, you got a family you got work whatever absolutely not not 
but to live. And I appreciate you guys talking about it because you know I uh, um, it's a, it's always been fascinating. Not just uh, obviously the ancient Egyptians, and there's a whole lot more we could have you know obviously talked about. But um, we'll you know, hit some stuff thing next after time. thing after thing in our in our past. Uh, you know tells us that we don't understand a lot of things and it's the right. quest for truth knowledge and understanding that will help humans uh live better lives uh, we hope and you know what there's always going to be uh people out there whose only motivation is to knock you down um right we're never going to change that either so um you know we just got to keep moving forward and uh, uh try and learn as much as we can about what's going on around us and uh, how that can help us uh, uh, carry the human race on to the next uh, next place and move on from there, I suppose. But I, I got to wrap up soon, guys. All right. Well, we can call it. Uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, we're going to definitely have you on again because there's just a whole fucking shitload of stuff that I just didn't even get to. And my boy Maurice over here got into very little. So we got to get him more involved next time, but he definitely learned a lot. I learned a lot. And I, I hopefully, you know, you learned a couple things too. That's the whole point of this thing is to get the knowledge and the gnosis as the Greeks would say. Absolutely. Uh, out there. You know, I, if I were to go back to some of my, uh, uh, some of the resources that I have, um, I can, uh, you know, I would much, I would be more prepared to speak on some specific things. And, you know, today I tried to keep it more on a bigger picture level because at some point all the specific things, you know, this specific temple or this specific site, all that is fits into the big picture in the way that we've talked about it. And it's just, we don't understand these things. And, and in a quest to understand things better, we will help our own lives, our own selves. Um, And so that's the, that's the good part of the, the quest for that. And um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's motivated me to, to go back and reflect on some of these things and what my thoughts were in the past and, you know, maybe uh, how we can get some answers here. All right. Perfect. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we'll see you guys uh, next time on Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Thank you. Thanks, guys.